You know, there's been a lot of ups and downs and all arounds. But I gotta tell you, I really think 2024 is gonna be my year. I, um... I know what I said. Ladies and gentlemen at home, do we tell him about the math on that? <laughs> no, this year's already a wash, bruh. <laughs> okay, if you say so. Anyways, welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. the F- Greg. <laughs> what did you almost say? <laughs> I think I mixed up, because I had something else going in my head, so I mixed up the word fun and my name, so I almost said Greg. <laughs> I almost said, like, Greg. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. Also, that little blurt from me just now summarizes my entire week. <laughs> it sounds about right. Mm. Uh, okay. I'm just gonna start now. Okay. What has two thumbs, two arrests, and has now been formally prosecuted for insider trading? Miyazaki. Oh, wait. <laughs> I almost said Miyazaki, and it's like, no, I don't remember the fucker's name. <laughs> <laughs> this already it's <laughs> yuji naka it's sonic yuji co-creator naka. yuji naka <laughs> it has been reported that they were charged for conducting insider trading and investing in companies based on information that had not yet been made publicly available naka reportedly invested about 144.7 million yen roughly eight hundred thirty-four thousand dollars u.s in a-team entertainment knowing that the value would rapidly rise once news that development of final fantasy 7 the first soldier would be made public Hmm. It is currently not known if either him or Taisuke Sasaki, the former Square Enix employee who is also charged, are going to stand trial yet. Oh, I thought it was just solely on him. No. Also Sasaki. Alright, well we'll see where that goes, I guess. Proof, ladies and gentlemen, that investing in video games is not a good use of money. Yeah, just pour it all on Bitcoin. That's smart. Just pour it all... You can't tell, but I have just the biggest shooting grin on my face right now. Really? <laughs> yeah, don't do that. That's a scam. A fair. <laughs> I'm definitely curious about what more comes of the trial, because I'm not familiar with the Japanese legal system in the slightest, but I also know that Japan has a significantly higher conviction rate than most other countries. From everything that's been seen and talked about so far, I think odds are better than none that this dude's getting busted pretty hard for this. You remember Ace Attorney, right? The anime? <laughs> the, the, the games and also the anime. The whole thing is a satire of Japan's legal system. Oh, I've never played any of the games, mostly because I've watched people play the games, and then some. usually something happens within the first like 20 minutes, and it's like, I can't take this seriously anymore. <laughs> Let me tell you how it usually goes, right? Hmm. It's not enough to prove that your client couldn't possibly have done it. You also have to finger the proper culprit. That sounds invasive. That came out wrong, but I will not <laughs> try it again. I say that sound, sounded very invasive indeed. <laughs> That's why they call me one take troll. <laughs> Nobody calls me that. <laughs> so wait, you're telling me that when someone accuses somebody in a Japanese courtroom, a random gust of wind doesn't occur right behind them? That might. I don't know. Hmm. I've never been to Japan. Yeah, he's going down. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he didn't. What a shame. Mm. Shame that it's come to this, not that he's going down if that's what he did. Yeah, exactly. So here's something I'm a little behind the curve on, because apparently this was initially reported in November. Okay. Blumhouse and Atomic Monster Productions are in, were already in advance talks to merge as separate labels. Oh. Okay. Yeah, Blumhouse, of course, makes some really good horror movies, and so also some really bad horror movies. <laughs> and also Fantasy Island, but... <laughs> Welcome to Fantasy Island, Tattoo. Shut the... <laughs> shut up. Just... No. Uh, there's nothing around I can easily punch. <laughs> That's fair. Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> And Atomic Monster is James Wan's production company responsible for the Conjuring movies, that garbage Mortal Kombat movie that came out last year, well, two years ago now, I guess. And I guess they're also producing Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Oh, that's that's a lot of varying projects to be involved in. Yeah. So, 
Blum was talking to the Hollywood Reporter, and there were not quite updates on it, but he did say, Not losing out in the next James Wan film is always a motivating factor for me. I get very nervous any time James does a scary movie without me. I get very upset. Oh. <laughs> He's also hopeful that having James Wan in his corner will help revive talks for a sequel to The Invisible Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean... I kind of feel like that movie didn't need a sequel, but I also would not be upset if one came. And James Wan added, I'd be more than happy to. Mm, okay. So, yeah, because I, I, I really want a sequel to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a damn good movie. That was a really good movie, and it was, scar- it was scary in a way because some of the stuff that's presented, especially the twist when it turns out how things are happening, it's like, I could see this happening today someone who's like twisted enough and technologically savvy enough i could see them doing this stuff today and that's what freaked me out the most about it yeah no because ultimately speaking it's a movie about horrifying domestic abuse and the lasting effects of trauma yeah there's just also a guy in an invisible suit and then they reveal the suit and it's like oh i could see some crazy ass elon musk motherfucker making this (laughs) elon musk doesn't already have one He is now the only human in history to have lost $200 billion from their own net worth. <laughs> That's so amazing. That's so it's amazing. infuriating, if I'm honest. I mean, it is kind of infuriating, but it is one of those things where... It is kind of the thing of I'm enjoying, to an extent, that he's fucked up that hard. But it, it's the whole meme. I mean, replace Joseph Stalin with your person of choice. But there's a meme of, like, Joseph Stalin looking down from the head at heavens wide-eyed as if to say, what the fuck are you doing? And that's my... (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of... When I read that headline in the article that went with it, I'm just like, dude. (laughs) I wouldn't even know what to do with $200 billion, and apparently neither does Elon Musk. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, what a fucking asshole. Hmm. So anyways, I am intrigued and terrified by the prospect of what Blumhouse and Atomic Monster could come up with working together. Same. But I guess we'll find out. (laughs) Stan Lee's birthday was December 28th. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. And obviously, you know, he's not around now, but it would have been his 100th birthday. Ooh, huh. If he was around, that would have been a hell of a milestone. And with that came an announcement that a documentary on his life will be coming to Disney Plus in 2023. Oh, okay. So that's a way to honor him, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> Look, just knowing that they have permission to use his likeness for shit is just, I, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's still kind of gross. <laughs> that's hovering over my shoulder just going like, be a real shame if someone CGI'd him into the Phase 5, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm pretty sure in the newest trailer for the new Into the Spider-Verse movie, he shows up in it. So, but that's like cartoon, like CGI Stan Lee. Yeah, a cartoon Stan Lee doesn't matter, but if you try mm. CGIing the real Stan Lee, especially if he doesn't say anything. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Anyways, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not usually much of a documentary person, but I'll watch a Stan Lee one. I'm definitely be interested in that as well, just to see, like, learn more about him outside, like, reading about him. You know, he almost quit the comic business before he made Fantastic Four. Considering how crazy the comic business has been for most of the time, from what little I know about the history of comics, not totally surprised to hear that in all honesty. (laughs) Yeah, I think what happened is he wanted to get out because he wanted to write actual books. Hmm. And I think his wife convinced him to make a comic of of this one idea that he still had, and that ended up being Hmm. Fantastic Four. Oh, that's Which really cool, actually. is basically responsible for kickstarting the Marvel Universe as we know it, so... <laughs> yeah. Alright. So, Marvel is still around, and the juggernaut it is, thanks to Stan Lee's wife. Woo! Who also <laughs> passed away. Ah. Uh, Lo- before him, sadly. Ah, uh, I mean, even still, though. Yeah. That's not all we're getting from Marvel in 2023, though. Hmm. Because we're also getting Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline. A book being published September 5th, 2023. So when you sent me that bit, I was like, don't they do that every year at one of the comic conventions? Is this a a different one? That makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Yeah, no. So it's also kind of infuriating because theoretically speaking, the timeline already exists and it's on Disney Plus, but the Disney Plus timeline is actually wrong in some spots. (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's kind of cool to have that. Like it's... I mean, it's one thing where, like, if you want to experience a timeline, the answer is to watch it, which is how it's intended. 
but it's still kind of cool to have a book that goes over everything, especially with how much stuff has been entered into the cinematic universe since its inception. Yeah. The description from Penguin Random House's website says, The definitive filmmaker-endorsed guide to the lore, timelines, and characters of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Become a master of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> the MCU is vast, incredibly varied, and richly complex. Different worlds, different timelines, countless characters. This is the guide to that universe. Created in close collaboration with Marvel Studios, it will answer the biggest questions. What happened, when, where, and why? Follow the entire story of the MCU from before the Big Bang to the blip and beyond. Along the way, learn more about the evolution of the Iron Man armors, the hunt for the Infinity Stones, and the formation of the multiverse. Want to know how many times aliens have invaded Earth, or the complete history of Cap's shield? Look no further. There's a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy joke somewhere in here. Probably. <laughs> what I find interesting is, since it says beyond the blip, and it also mentions the formation of the multiverse, I assume this is going to have Phase 4 included. Hmm. Which is good, because some of that shit runs so close together. Yeah. Oh, and the Spider-Man movies aren't on the Disney Plus timeline, because it doesn't exist. I mean, we can place where most of those take place anyway, but it's still nice to have official confirmation. Especially if it kicks that eight years later from Spider-Man Homecoming right in the dick. What idiot approved that? Wait, the Spider-Man movies are not in it? They're not on Disney+. Plus. Oh, okay. Okay, never mind. Yeah. I might... This might be something I'm, I'm actually kind of... I'm kind of interested in getting it. It kind of sounds like something in a similar vein to the Ace Combat art book I have, because that also goes over the whole timeline of the series. And it's one of those things where it's I'm actually kind of into it because of that. Because it's one thing to like have the games and whatnot in the same vein of having the Marvel movies. But it is still kind of cool to just have it in a book and just like read all the events and whatnot. You know, especially if there's things that the book might mention, little details that you might have missed. Yeah. I take it, though, that the book only goes over like the lore. There's no like behind the scenes things or anything like that, right? Yeah, I think this is supposed to be just, yeah. Because each of the Phase 4 things have been getting their own official collector special book that has some behind-the-scenes stuff on it. Although a lot of the oh. stuff, at least in the WandaVision one, which I have, is covered under the Marvel Studios Assembled episodes. Mm. I mean, I am at least intrigued by this. Yeah, I want to know when Werewolf by Night takes place. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me exactly! I feel like that's a reasonable request. Yes. Also, tell me one more Moon Knight. Mm. I know that's not going to be in the book, but tell me one more Moon Knight. Yeah. But the Marvel stuff does not stop there. Mm. Earlier, there were reports that Black Panther Wakanda Forever would be coming to Disney Plus on January 20th, 2023. According to Disney Plus, that is not the case. Disney Plus is now reporting that Wakanda Forever will be streaming February 1st, 2023. Is there normally that big of a gap between the theatrical release and it going on Disney Plus? No, usually it's been 45 days. Yeah, that seems like a really big stretch. <laughs> I guess, to be fair, they want to... It's still doing well, so presumably they want to get as much money out of it as they can. Fair. Bold move, considering Avatar is still out there. That's a hell of a juggernaut to try and fight against. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to watching that again. <laughs> for a third time. Without having to go to a movie theater to see it. Uh, fair. Unfortunately, it sounds like Disney Plus Marvel shows going forward may be a little bit slimmer. Mm. A Disney Plus Japan blog post showed that only three shows were set for a 2023 launch. Those being Secret Invasion, Loki Season 2, and Ironheart. There was a follow-up post by Marvel UK and Ireland saying that Agatha Coven of Chaos and Echo were still coming out in 2023 but that was then removed. So if that Japan blog post is still accurate, we're getting those three. Oh, I wonder what happened with the other two. There were already rumblings that Echo was being pushed back. The showrunner said that the summer 2023 release window was pushed back to at least December. Hmm. So no idea what's going on there beyond maybe they have to do some reshoots or something similar. Okay. Of course, this also doesn't include What If Season 2 or X-Men 97, but those are animated and only kind of tangential to the MCU anyway, so that's probably why they were left out anyway. I would imagine that most of the money, proverbially speaking, would be in the live-action stuff anyway. <laughs> I mean, they all make exactly the same amount of money, ultimately, which is none. 
because they're on Disney+. Plus. Hmm, fair. And this does align with the idea that Marvel is looking more towards fewer releases and more time to focus on them, which I've got no problem with. Yeah, I, I definitely don't have a problem with that either. And that's somebody who liked pretty much most of Phase 4, but I could I could genuinely use kind of a break. Yeah. I say now, but when I have to wait between <laughs> Quantum Mania and the next thing, let me tell you, it's going to be hell. How long of a gap is that? I don't know. Oh, fair. Yeah, we don't have release dates for the shows. Just mm. Windows. Because hmm. Loki was supposed to be summer, Secret Evasion was early, but that could be anywhere from now to April. <laughs> for all we know, Secret Evasion could drop next week. <laughs> Surprise! The Secret Invasion is happening now, but that's... It's the opposite of secret. Shut up! <laughs> no, truly that would be a secret invasion. Mm. And unfortunately, we have no trailer time this week. Eh. We had no trailers. Yeah, no trailers, which I guess to be expected considering like we just have Christmas and New Year's. I imagine all the, the teams who edit trailers are like, alright, this is the one time where we can get crunk. And the studio execs was like, okay, we can't have the trailer team work. They got crunk. <laughs> <laughs> they all got crunk. <laughs> We do have box office updates, though. Oh, boy. To nobody's surprise, Avatar Way of Water, number one this weekend, actually had a 0% drop. Really? Yeah, does not happen often. So it made the exact same amount of money. Roughly. That's, I feel like, a statistical anomaly. It made $63.4 million domestically this weekend for a $440.5 million domestic total and $1.39 billion worldwide. It is creeping up on Top Gun Maverick and will probably supplant it as highest grossing film of 2022. Yeah, I, I don't see it not beating Top Gun Maverick. Well, okay, highest grossing film released in 2022, since most of its money is 2023. Or, okay, not most, but the thing that pushes it over is in 2023. Yeah, a good chunk of it will be in 2023. Yeah. Second place, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, took in $16.3 million domestically for a $66.1 million domestic total and $134.9 million worldwide. Hmm. Third place, clawing its way back up from out of the top five, it's Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Oh boy. $4.8 million domestically this weekend for a $439.6 million domestic total and $820.1 million worldwide. Was that claw choice of word a purposeful joke? Happy accident, but I'll take it. <laughs> okay, continue. Why did I spell this as I want to dance with some B-body? <laughs> <laughs> B-body's making it... Well, I think B-body is a type of dance. <laughs> I think you're thinking of Bebop? No, that's a Ninja Turtles villain. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, fourth place is Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody which took in $4.2 million domestically this weekend for a $16 million domestic total and $29.1 million worldwide. And in fifth place, Babylon at $2.7 million domestically for an $11 million domestic total. As far as I can tell, it still is not released internationally. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's not looking good for that one. No. It's pretty amazing to see the top three this weekend and how well they're doing, relatively speaking. I mean, Push in Boots is... I think just getting past its production budget, which means it's still got some money to make before it's yeah. a pr profit, but it's got almost no competition in its demographic for a while, so hmm. we'll see how that goes. But man, I want to dance with somebody in Babylon just getting hammered. Oh, yes. I wish I had an opinion, but I don't, because didn't see either of them. Yeah, no. It's just been a busy holiday season. Oh, yes. Busy holidays and both the professional, and social spheres. Yep. I haven't had time to watch movies. I've been busy figuring out what my favorite movies of 2022 were. <laughs> and I did, pretty much. Yay. I did pretty much as well. <laughs> so, I'm gonna start because I'm pretty sure I've got a top 10 and you've got a top 5. I have a top 6. Top 6? Okay. Well, technically mine's a top 11. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can definitely go first. <laughs> I had a tie. The, for the most part, this is not ordered, but the bottom two are just because I can't make up my mind which one belongs here more in my favorites list. Mm. And it's between Ty West's X and Alex Garland's Men. Okay. Because they're both... 
there's a lot of horror on this list this year, but <laughs> they're both so good in different ways, and they're both clearly about stuff, which, okay, it doesn't make a good movie, because bad movies can be about stuff too, but I feel like they carried their own thematic journeys really well. One's a really good slasher, and one's a really good folk horror, and I, I, I just didn't want to pick between the two, because... When else is a slasher and when else is... Folk horror doesn't get made often, and when else is a slasher going to make my favorites? Usually they're bad. <laughs> Look at Halloween Ends. Mm. <laughs> it's so bad. So, that's 11 and 10, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to keep going through a few other ones that weren't in the top five before I decided to expand. Right. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once also made the list. Okay. I almost forgot about it. <laughs> because I didn't cover it for the podcast, I just watched it for me. Right. So I almost forgot that this movie came out this year. <laughs> and it's a little too zany for me at times, but it's also really poignant, it's weirdly touching, there are moments... Like the Barbie trailer with the also Sprach Zarathustra and the model discovery scene where something utterly ridiculous is being played with this complete self-seriousness that you can't help but kind of be sucked into it. <laughs> it's such a weird movie. Hmm. And I can't wait to watch it again, but apparently I need to subscribe to Showtime for that or get it on disc. I mean, I do have it on disc. You have it on disc?! Yeah, I think I actually got it at Walmart, because I completely by accident, I'm pretty sure, but I believe I found it at a random Walmart, because I just decided to go to Walmart for something, I don't remember what, and I saw it in, like, the $10 movie bin, and it's like, okay, this shouldn't be here, but I am so taking this. <laughs> son of a finch. Um, but I do have the movie physically, if we ever want to watch it. I do! I'm gonna have to get it on disc myself, but I do! Hmm. <laughs> I have to put my A24 collection together. Right. Which, actually, come to think of it, those are all A24 movies that I just listed. <laughs> huh. I mean, they make good and, well, for the most part, good and incredibly zany movies. Or at least they bankroll them. They're all weird. Yeah. All their movies are weird. One of these days, I'm going to have to show you Zola. Yeah, I think that was one that I kind of wanted to watch. I, never just, I just never got a chance to see it. Or is that the one with the sheep? No. Okay, then never mind. Yeah, no, this I, one was I, not a horror movie. Zola was not a horror movie. Okay. Tell you what was a horror movie, though. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> right. That also made my list, because it's a really interesting and compelling examination of fame and what people are willing to do to achieve it. And it's also hmm. really terrifying. <laughs> but it's also got that dry wit about it. Daniel Kaluuya's hmm. character is just great. He's just so visibly fed up with everything, but still <laughs> dealing with it. Right. And I love it. So that one made it on there. Mm -hmm. This is... I'll probably save it for... I'll probably save bigger discussions for the top five. Okay. This is just easier, because these are the ones where they almost didn't make it until I expanded the list a bit. Hmm. The Batman also makes this list. Uh, how did I forget about that? <laughs> I don't know. How the fuck did I... Okay. It was very early <laughs> in the year, to be fair. Oh, uh, you know what? That's probably what it was, more than anything else. Yeah, the Batman makes the list. It's It was funny, because originally I made, a, I made a top five, and then I realized I had two honorable mentions, and I'm like, okay, I'll make it a top seven. And then I realized I had more honorable mentions, so I'm like, I might as well just make it a ten. <laughs> the Batman was really good. Really mm. solid mystery. It, it made me like it in spite of the fact that I'm sick of grounded, still finding his feet, still new to the game Batman. I'm so sick of that conceptually, but in practice it worked. Right. And it also gains a massive accomplishment for being an almost three hour movie that actually feels like it needs that time. And like it's earned it. And... For the most part, I wasn't checking my watch. I say like I wear one. Trying to figure <laughs> out how much time was left in the movie. There was one point where that happened, but I think that might just be a me thing. Mm. And 
Also rounding off the second half of my top list, we have got Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Hmm. Honestly, it's not that I think this one is bad or there's any major fault with it. It's just not a movie that I really... I'm looking forward to seeing it again, but I also don't feel the need to go run to go see it again, which is why even though it's not on Disney Plus for a month, I'm probably not seeing it again. But no, that's fair. It's a good follow-up to a really good movie, and the fact that it exists, the fact that this is a competent movie in the wake of everything that happened regarding its production and the death of Chadwick Boseman is nothing short of a miracle. Oh, yes. Ryan Coogler is a magic man, <laughs> and he can do probably some wrong. I don't want to say no wrong and then have something come up and be like, oh, wow, that's <laughs> I was kind of thinking that, too, when you said some wrong. It's like, oh, well, this is still Hollywood we're talking about. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> it's like, this guy is great. And News Arco Weekly is like, oh, oh, come on, man. Turns just out let he me... eats people. <laughs> it's like, man, just let me like you without problems. Why is that so hard in this business? You know what? Ryan Coogler can eat just about as many people as he wants, all right? <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, it, it it's still a very good movie. It's just not up there with the big five, but also I didn't want it. I had it, it ultimately turned into, I had enough honorable mentions that it might as well be my 10 favorite. Right. Just divided into two tiers. <laughs> and with an 11th tying for last place. So anyways, uh, what's the start of your list? So, <laughs> with you mentioning the Batman, I did have to make a very, very quick edit. So. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, because it's like, okay, that, yeah, that's right, the Batman came out in 2022, okay, that does actually knock one of the movies that I had on here, like, off the list. So I guess, if anything, I do have an honorable mention in Bullet Train. Huh. Because that was one where it didn't really get anything in any particular category for me, but it was still such a good time, and such, like, a ride and everything, pardon the pun, that, <laughs> that it's like, okay, I enjoyed this movie quite a lot. It definitely isn't in my favorites of 2022, but I enjoyed it a lot, and I would definitely watch it again if presented the opportunity with friends and whatnot. So that's the honorable mention. That's fair. So this list is kind of in ascending order, but also the movies that are picked win particular like subcategories. So I guess for number six, we're going to say Devotion, because Devotion for me was, of all the complete package me movies that like fill all of my interests... It was probably either the best or the second best one. Hmm. Mostly because movie about aviation and naval aviation set in a historical setting, set in a historical setting that never gets talked about. A really good drama with really fun, enjoyable characters and really great actors and just all around a really well put together package. Even if there is some a little bit of embellishment with certain historical aspects, this movie was a really good package put together. It's a shame that it probably has not and will not make any money back. <laughs> because I think in, like, what, the movie has a $90 million budget or something insane like that? Yeah. I haven't checked where it's at now, but I when that was announced, like, yeah, this movie's not making money. But I feel like it's going to go as one of those really good historically-based movies that people don't know about. The kind of things where it's like, hey, you should watch this. It didn't get a lot of press, but it's really good. And I feel like a lot of people would see it as a pleasant surprise just because of the entire package and how quality it is so devotion is not in number six number five was bros because that was one where that gets the most surprisingly enjoyable reward from me all right <laughs> because even though i watched the trailer and all it was one where I am enjoying this trailer and everything, but I don't know how much I want to see this movie per se or really be into it. Because even though everything that was shown in like trailers looks really good, rom-coms are not my thing. Considering, you know, it being a LGBTQ movie and focused on that, that's a world where even though like I rock with LGBTQ and, you know, I fight for their right to party and all that, since I'm not in that community... You know, there's a lot that goes over my head, but even still as like a movie to just sit down and watch, I was very surprised by how much I enjoyed myself. It was really funny. It was surprisingly cute in a lot of in some places. 
and it definitely gets very poignant in places that make sense for just anybody. Some of the parts where it gets like really poignant, really serious. A lot of it was for like gay people, I felt. But there were also several points where it was like, no, this is something that if you're a human being that, you know, experiences emotions, then you can identify with what's being talked about right now. So I'd hate it. <laughs> and in those moments, the movie did really well. There were definitely moments in those where the characters, they kind of peel away the character portion and really drive home. It's like, no, these are actual people and they represent a very large group of actual human beings that have hopes, dreams, desires, fears, all that good stuff and bad stuff. So that was definitely the one that as a whole package, especially since, while not by the books, it follows what I've always like seen to be like the, the general rom-com formula. I was very surprised with how much fun I have with that, considering I don't generally do rom-com movies at all. So my number five, and I'm also going to try to put this in ascending order, I suppose. You made me really sad I haven't seen Bros, by the way. <laughs> but my number five is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Mm. Because it's it's just a fun time. It's just such a romp. It's a weird, yes. crazy... It's everything I wanted out of a Doctor Strange movie that I'm sad that the first movie didn't give us because it was too busy feeling like it had to explain magic. <laughs> right. This is magic. They just do random zany shit, but it never feels like it's breaking suspension of power scaling or what have you. It's never a, oh, why does he just do that again? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it could have used some more multiverse stuff, but the multiverse stuff that we got is just crazy. <laughs> Simultaneously appealing to fan casts, nostalgia centers, that weird part of your brain that likes punishment that gets giddy when Inhumans gets mentioned, or maybe that's just me. <laughs> when the Illuminati showed up, it was just, ah. Mm, <laughs> chef's kiss. I was freaking out about the Baxter building five minutes before Reed showed up, just waiting. I will say, because I'm pretty sure I didn't see the movie with you, I saw it on my own. When the Illuminati first showed, my two thoughts were, man, I really wish I was watching this with Cody, and all of these people are about to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth Olsen makes a great villain. She should have been playing Wanda as a villain all along because as perhaps treasurer of the I Hate Wanda Club, <laughs> she's always kind of been a villain, but right. hey, you know what? At least they admit it this time. Mm. But even despite all of that, and even despite having America as basically a supporting protagonist, co-lead, whatever you want to call it, it still feels like a strange story where Strange has to confront his own control freak tendencies, as mirrored by Wanda, who wants just absolute control over aspects of her life, no matter who she has to hurt to get it, and America, who is lacking in control and terrified of that fact. It was just, ah, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> it's got all those little Sam Raimi flourishes, the music is great, some of the angles are very Evil Dead-ish. Mm-hmm. You've got Doctor Strange puppeteering his own corpse from across the multiverse, making a cloak out of the souls of the damned. That has to make my top five from that. <laughs> Not familiar with the games at all, but as I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, someone has been playing a lot of either Resident Evil or Silent Hill who <laughs> came up with some of the stuff in this movie. Because this, I feel like this, the movie, more than any other Marvel thing, went really hard into the horror aspect. Yeah, it was basically a superhero horror movie. It could stand to be a little more horror, but... Oh, yeah. Hey, we got Blade for that, hopefully. Yeah. Okay, so for me, my number four was The Batman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mostly for the same reasons that you already listed. I don't really have much more to add other than... It was kind of another one where I had a lot of fun with it. I think this was actually the one where... For a movie that's trying and does a good job of being really serious and really downtrodden and everything, this is the one that I kind of put into the most fun category, just because I know you hate the whole year two Batman thing, but for me, it's kind of a deal of, because of how well they did it here, it makes it even more enjoyable to see him be competent, but also get things wrong quite a lot, 
because it makes it, I guess, a little bit more relatable. And it makes it really funny when he's got Colin Farrell as Penguin just calling him out on his bullshit. Yeah. Usually, with all the things I've seen Batman in, whether it be movies, shows, what have you, he's always, you know, by no means perfect, not even remotely, but still, like, relatively competent, has it all together, generally speaking, has a pretty good idea of, like, game plan and what he's going to do. It's very enjoyable to see this young Batman, while being relatively competent, also still kind of an idiot in a lot of ways, (laughs) and that made it a little bit more palpable. And also everything about Riddler. This is the one incarnation of Riddler that I've seen that I was genuinely like, okay, I am drawn to this character. Because in every other thing I've seen him in, could not take him seriously in the slightest. Now, Riddler's kind of an idiot most times. Yeah, but in here, he was really good. Genuinely fucking terrifying. And that was just the thing of like, okay, now I'm into this. As the Joker put it in Harley Quinn, his whole shtick is being the world's most indirect asshole. Yeah, and boy in this movie, he was indirect, but he really, really turned up the asshole just the entire time from start to finish. Oh yeah. My number four is, I'm gonna say it's the menu. Okay. It doesn't hit me as hard as the other ones on here, but I was not expecting nearly as much out of this movie as I got. (laughs) I was expecting something decent. And what I got was a masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) I I went in expecting a really good gourmet burger, and what I got was a five-course meal of fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) But very well seasoned, and delivered with the kind of cold professionalism that can only be delivered by a man who has been doing this job for way too long and would just as soon skin you as get you a water. I, I can only wonder but think about what a five-course meal of fuck you within the realm of the menu would look like. <laughs> it's a turducken. <laughs> it's a turducken. <laughs> it's a gourmet turducken. <laughs> but no, the movie is just absurd and horrifying, but all in really tongue-in-cheek ways. It's just... It's dry. Mm. It's so dry. (laughs) (laughs) And a a uh, booze booze for the last person to be caught in hide and seek. (laughs) (laughs) For real. What a good time. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. I don't think this is on disc yet because it literally just came to HBO Max and usually it takes Mm. a little bit after it hits streaming for it to hit disc. I cannot wait to buy this one on disc because... I will watch this over and over again. I wonder if there's going to be a steelbook for it. Don't tempt me. (laughs) Call it the silver plate edition. Mm, That would be too easy, yeah. I think that would be too easy of an opportunity to miss. Sloak would hate it, and that's why you should do it. Yeah, exactly. Alright, so for me, my number three was Violent Night. And that took kind of the award for... By far and away, the most enjoyably absurd movie for me. (laughs) Because, oh god, this movie was so much better than it had any right to be. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's like the idea of just this old Santa who is just fed up with the world, is done with the world shit, hates people, I would say, pretty heavily. This dude hates people at this point. But he just somehow just trottles his way into rescuing a rich asshole family and does it in the most overt, action-y, unnecessary, adult Home Alone adventure I have ever seen, complete with all the blood and gore and whatnot out of an actually good Hellboy movie. (laughs) This was... Oh god, this was just so absurd. <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and spoil it because I want to gush about this movie too. This was also my number three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This. Oh god, this movie was just so good. It was because like, I <laughs> even under all the absurdity and the visceral gore, mm. some of this is some of the realest stuff I've seen in any movie. Yeah. <laughs> Not the least of which is, fuck you, people. <laughs> That might be, this is not my favorite movie of the year, but that might be my favorite line of the year. 
Oh god, that bit was just great because it's like everyone has had that moment. It is not clever. It is not cutesy. It is inherently relatable. It is a man <laughs> who is fed up with the day he is having. <laughs> To the point where he can't even enjoy being mad about it because somebody will still come along and poke a hole in it. <laughs> Anyone over the age of 18 has experienced a moment like that. You cannot tell me otherwise. You might be the nicest, calmest, most professional person ever. And you cannot tell me you have not had a moment where you're pissed and you want to be pissed. And someone has just come and made it so much harder for you to be pissed. <laughs> just let all the air out of your angry balloon. <laughs> And it's a shame just because it's like, I feel like we can't talk about that more in depth without spoiling the movie. And it just but... makes it worse, and it makes you more mad, but it has robbed <laughs> you of the satisfaction of any kind of catharsis. Because yeah. you know that even if you do something impulsively, it will not make you feel better anymore. So now the whole thing is ruined. It's especially forced there because the person or individual who has ruined your ability to be mad is also totally right. <laughs> I also think overall this probably has the most creative deaths of any movie this year. I thought like the deaths in Black Adam were pretty gnarly and this just beats that movie like there's no tomorrow in that regard. The hierarchy of power in the magic user universe is about to change. Santa Claus on top, Black Adam on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> no, some uh god the yeah, the kills in this movie are something else, and it's weird because usually for movies like this, there are definitely a lot more kills that just make me, like, actually wince, and there was only one, and that wins a lot of points by itself, oh. in all honesty. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that one. Yeah, and oh. it's like, okay, I am happy that there's only one of these in this movie, and not, like, ten. <laughs> definitely. So my number two is also the menu. All right. Yeah, because... I feel like this was, on top of what you said about it, for me, this was the second most absurd movie. It was going to win the most absurd award, if anything, until we saw Violent Night. <laughs> but it's the second most absurd, while also still being, in the terms like completely fictional movies, because I know I said this about Devotion, a really good overall package. Probably one of the best put together experiences from start to finish of almost any of the movies I've seen this year. There's just the dry, horrific humor, the wit of the characters, the acting, um, the some of just the really... I know this kind of meshes together to an extent, but some of the just really great lines that are said that shouldn't have any right to work as well as they do. For me in particular, it's like, excuse me, what is this? It's a tortilla! <laughs> tortilla delicioso! <laughs> show! And I'm like, considering what's going on... This should not be as adorable as it is, because this is really fucked. <laughs> it is. But this is kind of cute and really funny. And, yeah, no, just the whole thing. Uh, this one, yeah, I like, for real, I don't really have much more to add besides what you've already said. But, yeah, this was my easily my number two. Nice. My number two, and I do want to stress that while I'm trying to put it in ascending order, it's based on what I think right now. It is liable to change, except maybe number one. Number one will probably stay. But mm. my number two is Barbarian. Okay. And I refuse to go into much more detail, because part of what I love about this movie is that I went in knowing basically nothing. <laughs> I All saw right. the trailer, and that was it. And the trailer does not give you enough to even begin to fathom where the fuck this is going. <laughs> it is depraved. It hits hard. It is gross. But it is gross for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I love it. <laughs> Alright. And I just hate that I can't talk about it more. Because I feel like if I say anything more, I'm going to give something away and that's going to ruin it. And just, just, if you can, it, it is a hard watch, but it is an amazing watch. Mm. Especially if you're in a horror. So just, ah! <laughs> ah, watch it, it's my number two, it's good, I love it. Watch the damn movie. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, and so for me, my number one of the year is, drumroll for probably not even remotely a surprise, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I should have figured. <laughs> Okay, so this one kind of had, 
This one still got the whole package, but it also got, in parentheses, whole package, me movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing, because I know you, so I know you said before, you didn't like the original Tom Gunn, but you Hate enjoyed it. this. Yeah. For me, it's like, I liked the first movie, but I didn't love it, and I am surprised how much I love this movie. <laughs> but it's really good. It's got a pretty solid mix of actual story, characterization, personality, while still having just enough fighter jet porn, while still being balanced out with a certain ounce of well-seasoned general stupidity. (laughs) And it's the kind of general stupidity that I guess you would pick up on if you're someone who's into, like, aviation and fighter jets and aerial combat in general. Because, you know, this movie is not perfect by any means. There's definitely some things that happen. I'm like, yeah, this is this is really enjoyable. The moments where the movie has its moments of stupid, it's usually something really cool or really badass is happening at the same time. So it's like, okay, you get a pass for right now. <laughs> Chief Amongst Which being, and this was shown in the trailer so I can talk about it. Chief Amongst Which being the bit where the enemy jet just kind of does the whole like pure red in the, in the middle of the sky while fighting Tom Cruise. <laughs> and it's like, that's fucking badass. It's also really stupid to do in an actual combat situation. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely, to the surprise of probably absolutely nobody if you've been paying attention to this podcast throughout the year, which hopefully you have been. If you have, thank you so much for watching, listening. Heck yeah. You know, this is this is like easily my number one. And also, kind of what ties it all together is because underlying all this characterization and personality and quality and all that, the general premise of the movie and what's talked about is literally a mission from Ace Combat in movie form. <laughs> like, wow. No, like, I'm not even saying that to make a joke. It's like, no, as the movie was progressing, this is like several Ace Combat games. <laughs> All right, mild amount of bias right there, but hey, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, that was that was my number one for this year. I liked it. It didn't, it obviously didn't make my top ten, as you can see. I'm not oh, going to yeah. pretend that it made my number one, but no, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. So... It's a shame, because as much as I love going to the movie theater, and as much as I will champion going to see movies in the theater, my number one movie did not actually get a theatrical release. Oh. I am proud to say, friends and listeners, that my favorite movie of 2022 is The Adam Project. <laughs> no. Wait, no. <laughs> I was just saying, what? <laughs> it's, it's weird, the Al Yankovic story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it with a straight face. Okay, I was gonna say it's like I'm. I beg your fucking pardon. I was, I was gonna try to. I was gonna try. I almost said choose or die, but <laughs> I figured nobody would even remember that one. So no, <laughs> no. Weird. The Ali Yankovic story is basically a perfect movie. I have no notes. Okay. And I know I recycled I, I... that line from my 2022 in review video, but it still holds true. This mm-hmm. is a great movie. I can talk about it a little bit more. Because I should think the fact that it's a total piss take of itself, the joke being that <laughs> Weird Al is not really interesting enough to make a movie about in terms of his backstory because his past and rise to stardom was relatively controversy free. And by relatively, I mean pretty much completely. Mm. And by pretty much completely, I mean if there is one, we haven't heard of it yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they just did such an amazing job fluffing it up and making it into such a big deal. There's a moment early on where he first discovers his love for polka at a polka party, and the whole thing <laughs> is treated like a teenager trying drugs for the first time and being peer pressured into it. <laughs> so he starts playing something amazing on, on this accordion or whatever it is, and then outside, one, one girl's looking out the window, and you see flashing red and blue lights, she just goes, It's the cops! And everybody starts freaking out. the <laughs> 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 world. I just died. (laughs) Okay. And I mean, half the time I forget that it's Daniel Radcliffe, not only because Weird Al Yankovic's the one doing all the singing, but because it's just, it's just immersive. He nails it. (laughs) He kills it. He slays it. Hmm. And everybody just acts like it's this, this parodying thing that he could do is this revolutionary God-given talent. It's like you're watching Rocket Man with, (laughs) <laughs> Taron Edgerton is Elton John. <laughs> it's just, but he's sing, but he's singing about just eat it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I love this. I cannot recommend this movie enough. 
I know it's only on the Roku channel, but honestly, you know what? I'd actually say it's worth buying a Roku just to see this movie. <laughs> I say that's a pricey movie ticket right there. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I stand by it. I love this. <laughs> I cannot praise it enough. Mm. Dare I say it? I want a sequel. Oh, God. <laughs> Which is really funny considering where they end it, but I'm not going to give that part away. Alrighty. And that, friends and listeners has been our favorite movies of 2022. <laughs> I think 2023 is going to be hard to top. Uh, yeah. Or it's going to be hard for 2023 to top it. Mm-hmm. But it looks like we got some bangers coming out this year, so... Yeah, like, I don't think it'll be as jam-packed, but we still have some solid stuff in the works. Definitely. Case in point, this weekend, Megan comes out. <laughs> Now, I don't want to say preemptively that's going to make my top ten, because I'm setting myself up for disappointment, probably, but... Oh, yeah. Boy, howdy, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, ex- ex- definitely. I might even drag you to see it. I want to see it, because it looks really good, but I, I still don't know how I feel about, like, actual full balls-to-the-wall horror. It's PG-13, it's fine. It is? Yeah. Really? Yeah, Megan's PG-13. Oh, I thought it was rated R. <laughs> no, apparently, apparently that made it scarier somehow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised. I thought it's been rated R this whole time. Nah, PG-13. Alrighty. And that's with a kid getting his ear ripped off. Ugh. Right? Mm. That's an officially released clip. You can't get mad at me for spoilers. Watch it be that it's still really messed up. It's like, so why does it PG-13? It only had... One F-bomb. <laughs> it only had <laughs> one ear rip. Good God. Still gratuitous and gory, but it only had the one F-bomb and or the one ear rip. So it Safe keeps the, So it still keeps the PG-13. <laughs> I love it. Hmm. Anyways, thanks so much for listening, everybody. This has been a pretty crazy year. Honestly, I don't know if I should call this episode one of season two or the last episode of season one, but... Whatever I decide to number it as on RSS, because on YouTube Hmm. it's not like it matters. Right. We got some stuff planned. And by we, I mean I've got some stuff planned. (laughs) Fair. We'll see where it goes. I'd like to take another stab at another live event. Hopefully without the weather happening. Yeah, hopefully Florida doesn't decide to Florida for it. Yeah, that, that, mm, I'm getting depressed again just thinking about that one. Aw. You know what helps with depression? Liking, commenting, and subscribing. Indeed. Give us that engagement. Give us that sweet, sweet engagement. Share the video around. I'm going to start making a more concentrated effort to do that myself, but hey, the more the merrier. Mm -hmm. Thanks again, everybody. This has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Droll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we will catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. For Megan. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye.